0: So I've been watching the Will Smith docu-series on YouTube. Uh, It's a workout series. It's called The Best Shape of My Life, uh, which should be renamed to Billionaire Loses 20 Pounds because that's what it is in essence. It is a wealthy man. I don't even know if he's a billionaire. He's probably worth like $200 But at that point, if you're worth that much money, I consider you, there's a fine line between that and a billionaire. I consider you at that point to be like a mustache-twirling, Dr. Evil-like James Bond villain who just wants to turn everybody into robots and you have a special island, okay? Um, yeah, but it, what a weird documentary. And I've always loved Will Smith. I've always found him... I like, I. like. I feel like there's almost merit now in Hollywood or in culture in general to take yourself as seriously as possible. You know, w- like Will Smith used to be the down-to-earth guy. You know, he was the guy who would come out of a limo at a movie premiere and just go, woo! Like, that was... Oh, fuck. The feedback on that. Whatever. Uh, but that that was his brand. It was just... He was the woo guy. I, I'm trying to do that as quietly as possible. So the... Uh, I gotta get a new microphone. I'm, I've had it with this. But, uh, yeah, it's a workout show. He, again, it all started... He chronicles his his journey to lose weight it starts at that you know that thing a few months ago where he put out that selfie of him with the dad bod in his backyard and it's him with just these big juicy tits and a big belly and he just kind of looks normal he's he's not a he's not a fat dude right like i could see if he just popped out i don't know looking like like marlon brando in the winter of his life i could see that okay but he has this quarantine body and he's put on some dad pounds the guy's over 50 what do you expect for him to look like he looks just like a normal dude at that age and you know you're you're supposed to feel for this guy it it just looks like a rich guy who's just kind of living it up there's an old saying you get fat and happy that that was the dream for most people but it, it's just him, you, you just see him episode after episode, he's working out, and he's doing rich people workouts, he's doing the kind of things that that mustache-twirling Bond villains do, right? So instead of, he, he's, he's working out like a wealthy guy, so instead of uh, riding an elliptical or going on a Stairmaster, he's just climbing the side of a volcano, you know, j- just, just as a warm-up, j- just to get his quads working. Or it's that whatever that muscle is. Yeah, I've, I've clearly been skipping out on my workouts. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and, and throughout the series, you see him talking. It's him going through just sort of the motions of working out. And you see him kind of like, you know, yelling at people on his team and the camera guy. And this isn't set up. And this isn't, you know, all kinds. Like he's trying to humanize himself. But he just, again, because he's a wealthy guy and he's so famous, he just kind of looks like a douche. Like, this is a person, again, that works on his team, probably lives in a Honda Civic out on the street. And they're just supposed to answer to this this guy. Um, and then meanwhile, like, throughout, it always cuts to his trainer, who's always an Australian guy. All these Hollywood personal trainers seem to be these Australian dudes. They just kidnap these personal tra- Like, what visa are they on? What, why can't they just get a fucking, it's either a Navy SEAL or an Australian guy, like those are the two buckets that you have to pick from. And it's just, it, yeah, it's just always some guy. He's 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 like, yeah. So uh, all you're gonna do is you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna get on a, uh, a leafy green diet, and you're just gonna drink nothing but vitamin water, and that's it. You can't have any yogurt. You can't have any chips. You can't have any cheese steak. You can't have nothing. Just, uh, I'm just gonna get some maple leaves and. Uh, I don't know, maybe some water from the pond, and that's that's your diet. That's it. That was the kind that uh, me father was on uh, when he uh, was deserted in the outback. I mean, he died of dysentery, but at least he did it with a, a six-pack and a smile. You know, I, I don't know if that's a good Australian. I, I kind of cross between Australian and British. Whatever. Uh, but it is... Uh, I mean, like, holy shit. And and you do see him getting frustrated. Like, at one point, he gives up. I don't want to spoil it. It's like five episodes. But it, it, it is just kind of this superficial, very frustrating documentary. Um, but he does give up at one point. Like, he he's like, oh, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done with the best shape of my life. And uh, whatever. There turns out to be a twist. He's actually done, like, I guess, filming the documentary or whatever. Uh, but he's, he's going to keep working out. You do see him lose weight, but he gets frustrated. Like, he looks like I mean, if the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the guy who was in Independence Day, Men in Black, the classic Wild Wild West, if that guy can't do it, what, what help do I like? What hope do I have? Just sitting in a, a a a studio apartment in my boxers and ankle socks in a recliner drinking Coke Zero on the rocks. I mean, if that guy's stressed out, what what, what am I doing with my life? Anyways, uh, yeah, uh, my my regards to Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of stuff going on. I haven't recorded in a month, so this is this is kind of I feel rusty. I feel like a a track runner who hasn't jogged in a in a few you know weeks. Uh, the last episode I released was was Halloween, and uh, this is episode fifty two. We're a year into the podcast, and by we, I mean I. This is a one man show. I need a team. I need a team that I can yell at, like Will Smith. I, ne- I need somebody that I can throw a water bottle at. Or, I don't know, yell at when they haven't gotten my favorite type of Boston cream donut. Some shit like that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been fun. I just It's been me rambling. I gotta have guests. Uh, so starting in the new year, I'm gonna have more guests. I'm gonna have comics. I'm gonna try to get some people on that I like. I'm, I'm actually gonna try to get school friends. And again, like I'm, I'm a no name. I'm not a famous dude. So this is just me shooting the shit and having fun with my buddies. That's what I'm aiming to do in the following year. I mean, I was pretentious enough with this podcast to do seasons. Like I had 20 episodes in the first season, and then another 30 in the second. I haven't even, t- I haven't even planned this out. It's just me kind of playing it by ear. Uh, but Merry Christmas, everybody. This is, uh, again, it's been a weird time for me. Like, I I haven't felt, I don't know if it's the Christmas season, it's the Christmas blues, but I haven't felt like doing a whole lot of, like, I've been doing stand-up, I've been doing jokes, I've been doing shit like that, but I haven't put out videos, I haven't felt the need to do a podcast. It's just kind of me sitting in this void, and I I don't know what it is. But uh, I went Christmas shopping with my mom thirty year old man Christmas shopping with his mom and I went shopping, and we kind of parted ways. She drove me to the mall and we parted ways and I went into different stores and bought gifts. and she went to different stores and and did her thing. Uh, but then we met in the food court, and we had to do the vaccine passport thing to get to to eat in the food court. There's actually a like they they have it like blocked off, not with like barricades or anything, but with just, you know, the strip. I, I forget what you call them, but they have that. There and they just have this square in the middle that's blocked off. And it can fit for probably I don't know like hundred people. Some shit. it's a big food court at Sherway Mall in, in Toronto. And uh, I remember like we have to show our vaccine passports and ID to this like just to sit in there. And this is at the point where it's getting ridiculous. It's getting fucking insane. You're it, it's there's something mildly Orwellian about showing your vaccine passport to eat in a shitty food court. Next to people who likely are inebriated, that's all a food court is i don't I don't really think there needs to be papers that you need to show now to to eat there. It should just be an every man for himself scenario every time you step into that because it it is a wasteland of people who just i mean they're going broke buying fucking creams and bath salt or bath bath wash for people at these bath and body work stores uh, for, as Christmas gifts. Th- these are people who are going to be in massive amounts of debt. They're spending from their credit cards. They should at least all be able, vaccinated or not, to just sit and enjoy seven Big Macs shoving chicken nugget after chicken nugget, followed by Indian food, followed by, I don't know, Taco Bell, just shoving it down their gullet, just hoping for it all to end quickly. Because that's what the Christmas season is. It's about despair, maybe being nice to each other. People always say it's about being nice to each other. But it's it's really just despair in a lot of people's eyes. So what, what I'm saying is the vaccine passport, the vaccine passport thing has just gotten crazy. I mean, people are going wild in these restaurants. You'll just see a guy with a walker going, I ain't getting the jab. Why do I need to show my papers? And he just hits this hostess over the head with his walker. And then the police come. And it's it's on the six o'clock news. It's on six buzz. It's a viral video. And this type of chaos is just going to continue. I mean, I got the fucking vaccine. I got I got vaxxed. I got vaxxed relatively early in all of this. Uh, I had to endure ridicule from my peers, both comics and friends, personal friends um, over my choice to get it early. Everybody else seemed to be kind of forced. But now I'm starting to get it. It, It's just kind of this insane thing uh, that's just gotten out of hand. And uh, which is why uh, I would like to uh, announce to all of you that I am moving to an island all onto myself uh, where I will live in solitude with a volleyball and not have to worry about any of you motherfuckers bothering me ever again. I'm going to move there as soon as I, I make a little Patreon money. Uh I don't know. Cross my fingers for next year. But uh that's that's the plan just to uh just to flee society. Uh Anyways, it, it was I had McDonald's uh she had pad thai and uh we just talked about the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> This one's an adventure, uh, but yeah, I'm back. Uh, back at my place. I don't know. I haven't done a, a ton lately. I've just been kind of sitting around. One of the things I, I haven't talked about on this podcast, and I haven't really mentioned it widely, is my. I I have to stop watching porn. Um. I don't know if I'm addicted to it. I don't know what counts as a diagnosis of porn addiction. I don't even know if they diagnose that shit. I find it very hard to believe that a guy just goes into a therapist's office and says, yeah, hey, I've been watching a lot of amputees go at it on the Internet. And I think I have a problem. But again, psychiatrists, therapists, they all hear shit. Social workers, things like that. That would be a thing that you'd tell to a social worker. I feel like an esteemed psychiatrist, a person who has studied for 15 years to get where they are, I think they want to hear the juicy stuff, all right? I I think they want to hear things more along the lines of, I saw a man murdered, I was in the war, Uh, my parents divorced and then my father was hit by a delivery truck. Things with substance. I don't think that they want to hear about your love of Mia Khalifa. I think that they want to hear more, you know, I think they want to hear about tragedy. So if I had to talk to someone about my love of pornography, it would be just a guy at a local clinic next to a strip mall. I'm not going to the hospital to talk to a guy, to lie on a sofa and have a guy hypnotize me and say, hey, you stop watching Lisa Ann. Switch to her podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, my first experience with porn was when I was 12. I, was, uh, I remember we were living in Ottawa at the time, which is right on the Quebec border. We were living there for three years. My dad had a job placement. and uh, But uh, I remember a lot of the French channels late at night, like after nine, not even after midnight, but after nine, they would start showing softcore porn. And what I would do was, this was my first experience with that. I'd never seen anything like that before. I I was first thinking about sex at that point, as you do at that age. And I just started watching these porn, like like late at night, Saturday. And the thing is, all of it was in French, too. So it would just be a woman in a, like a, a wife her husband was away she would be in a kitchen and then the, you know the usual pool guy would come in from the backyard and it would be like je pense, je pense, je pense, bonjour like, and he would just be you know they'd be uh, they'd be banging on the coffee table the glass would break whatever it was um and i i i became so infatuated with this as a young man uh that i would go grab these uh these videotapes From the dollar store down the street. I would walk there specifically to grab these videotapes. And I would start recording this French softcore porn. Emphasis on the softcore. uh, Through my VCR. I would pop it into the VCR. I would hit record. And I would have. I eventually had a library. An arsenal of these French softcore porn videotapes. At 12, 13 years old. And I would hide them underneath my bed. Uh, I would hide them in like the cases of board games that I had in my closet eventually. This was a very discreet operation, okay? There, there could, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't slip up because if my father found it, and I don't know how he'd find it, I, I really don't think that in hindsight he would have just sat there like the dad in American Beauty and just watched all of my porn tapes while I was at school. Um, but. Anyways, I, I kept this, uh, this library, um, this treasure chest of, uh, of French fornication uh, in my closet, and finally it was time for us to move back to Toronto one summer, and I started panicking because I'm going, I can't put these with all the other family videotapes. Because I mean that would be the most embarrassing situation of my life. I mean, my mom wants to relive our trip to Disneyland. She pops in a tape and boom, uh, just a, a French business guy uh getting blown in his office. And I, I really did not want to risk that traumatizing my mother uh in that way, you know. I'm like, you know, one day she's gonna take me shopping at Christmas at 30 and we're going to eat with vaccine passports in a food court i with my mcdonald's her with her pad thai and we're going to be talking about this and i i really i really want our conversation to be more about the fall of western civilization rather than hey remember that time i popped in i wanted to i wanted to watch us going on the jungle cruise ride and instead i i popped in uh, French soft-corn pornography with that pizza guy. I really didn't want that for her. So what I did, I decided to just stuff all the tapes. And in reality, I had probably about 13 of these soft core porn tapes. But I stuffed them in my backpack. And uh, so when it was time for us to move, I didn't put anything in the moving truck I would just, I put it in my backpack and just put it in the back of our family van. And we drove with this and it really did feel like I was, I was, we were traveling with a huge secret that only I knew about. Right. I mean, my sister had her Polly pocket. Uh, my other sister, both younger than me. I don't know. She had her goth shit or whatever phase she was going through at that time. I had my softcore porn, French videotapes, and it was funny because I was a young guy, so I would have like, I I, I don't know, like I would to cover the tapes because I would keep it at the I had like a false bottom in the backpack and I put on top of it, I don't know, like a, a notebook because I was like beginning to write shitty jokes at that time. And then uh, I had like an army man uh, set and I put those over just to just just in case somebody just in case I was compromised at one point. And somebody looked in my bag they that, that those porn tapes wouldn't be the first thing they saw. So I remember we got a hotel because we didn't move into our house right away. We got a hotel for about a week, and I would keep that bag, all of us in this little hotel, five of us in this little room, I kept that bag in the corner, and I kept my eye on it the entire week, the entire week. And it really did feel at one point that I had like a loaded gun in there. And it was just French video, softcore porn. But I really did feel like I had like a loaded weapon in there. I'm like, my younger sister could get her hands on this at one point. This could be detrimental to people's lives. Something's Off podcast, everybody. Merry Christmas. I'll have another episode out before uh, the end of December, right before Christmas. Uh, But yeah, I'm excited. to. I I feel this was kind of funny. Um, Something's Off, Alex DeWitt on Instagram follow me on tiktok alex dewitt 15 or whatever the fuck whatever my name is on that uh yeah and uh that it is